You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So, welcome to episode 81 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And coming up in this week's episode of the show, we have news of a large data breach at Virgin Media affecting some 900,000 of their customers. We then have news of data breaches affecting Tesco Club Cards and Boots Advantage Cards. We then have news that Cathay Pacific has been fined half a million pounds by the ICO for a data breach it had prior to GDPR coming into force. We then have news from Portsmouth City Council that the ICO are investigating after a laptop containing children's data was stolen from a car belonging to a member of staff of the council. We then have news of a Wi-Fi data breach affecting Greater Anglia, C3 UK and Network Rail. We then have news of a data breach at Credit Store Builder Lockbox. We then have news that a Polish stall has been fined for using biometric data when less intrusive options were available. And finally for this week we have an update on a data breach we brought to you back in episode 65 involving the University of Hertfordshire. So make no apologies for a data breach heavy episode this week. There have been lots of data breaches to report and it's important that we bring them to you. Please do let us have any feedback on the show. We hope you find it useful and informative. But if you have any feedback for us, please do send it to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. We do read every single comment that you send to us. But unfortunately, we don't have time to reply to you individually. But wherever possible, we do incorporate your suggestions into future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. Check us out on Facebook. We begin this week with news of a data breach at Virgin Media, which contains the details of some 900,000 people. A Virgin Media database containing the personal details of 900,000 people was left unsecured and accessible online for some 10 months, Virgin has admitted. The information is known to have been accessed on at least one occasion by an unknown user. The database, which Virgin was compiling for marketing purposes, contained phone numbers, home and email addresses. It did not include passwords or financial details. A Virgin Media spokesman said that the breach was not due to a hack or criminal attack, but because the database had been incorrectly configured by a member of staff not following the correct procedure. The firm was alerted to the problem on Friday this week after it was spotted by a security researcher at Turgensec. Virgin said that almost all of those affected were Virgin customers with television or fixed-line telephone accounts, although the database also included some Virgin Mobile customers as well as potential customers referred by friends as part of a marketing promotion. Virgin Media, which is owned by the US cable group Liberty Global, has informed the Information Commissioner's Office as required the ICO and launched its own forensic investigation. Lux Slula, Chief Executive of Virgin Media, said, We recently became aware that one of our marketing databases was incorrectly configured which allowed unauthorised access. We immediately solved the issue by shutting down access. Protecting our customers' data is a top priority and we sincerely apologise, he said. He went on to say, based upon our investigations, we believe the database was accessed on at least one occasion, but we do not know the extent of the access or if any information was actually used. Virgin Media said it would be emailing those affected on Thursday in order to warn them about the risks of phishing, nuisance calls and identity theft. The message will include a reminder to not to click on unknown links, in emails and not to provide personal details to unverified callers. Further advice would be available on its website, it said. 
And in fairness to Virgin Media, we do know that that email was sent out to its customers. Now, while the database hasn't been actively hacked, is reassuring for customers, it sounds like human errors to blame in this case, and that's rather embarrassing for Virgin, who are also a tech firm. Ten months is a long time for data just to be sitting there, waiting potentially to be found by someone with criminal purposes. And while no passwords or bank details were among the data, there's an awful lot of contact information for a cyber criminal to work with. Phishing expeditions when someone tries to get financial information out of a victim by pretending to be a company with a legitimate reason for contact are not particularly sophisticated, but they are effective for those caught off guard and can be a lucrative source of income. It's unclear whether any of this data was being stored on a cloud service that's easily searchable if you know how. And we know there have been several examples in the last few weeks of files that have been held on Amazon's AWS service and not secured effectively. Now, this breach became slightly more complicated on Saturday when the Guardian newspaper reported that the database contained not only the details which was already known and indeed confirmed by Virgin in their own press releases, but also contained information linking customers to pornographic websites. It's thought that the data includes requests to block or unblock various pornographic, draw-related and gambling websites corresponding to full names and addresses. Obviously, this could be used for effectively blackmail in the wrong hands. Information about customer subscriptions to various different aspects of Virgin Media Services, including premium components, are also accessible in the data, it's understood. Virgin said in a statement, We strongly refute any claim that we have acted in a disingenuous way. In our initial notification to all affected people about this incident, we made it clear that any information provided to us via a web form was potentially included in the database. All individuals have been given details on how they can get in touch with us directly to address any queries or for support and advice. We will be further contacting customers where appropriate to provide additional guidance, they said. In addition, Virgin said they are currently building a bespoke, secure online tool which will allow any individual to find out if they are affected and which data types relating to them had been included in the database. We once again apologise to any of those who have been affected, Virgin said. Now, what could this mean to Virgin in terms of a penalty? Well, in many ways, although there is no financial data included here, the scale of the data breach is not dissimilar to that which befell British Airways last year. And as we know, British Airways has landed with a penalty from the ICO of £183 million. Now, whether Virgin will be in that ballpark remains to be seen, but if we think that British Airways was £183 million and Marriott Hotels was uh, £99 million, both for not dissimilar uh, breaches, then I think it's not unreasonable to assume that Virgin should be looking to expect to receive a penalty in certainly in the tens of millions of pounds for this data breach. So it's going to be an expensive exercise for them. The ICO, for their part, said that they knew that Virgin had reported the breach and that the ICO were currently making inquiries. A spokesman for the ICO said the ICO assessed certain key factors when determining potential penalties and fines, such as the cause of the breach, the sensitivity and number of affected personal data records, and the number of affected data breach subjects. And so we wait and see what happens in this case. Doubtless there will be updates to come. Um, and as soon as we have an update, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden.
Two other household names caught up in data breaches this week were Tesco's and Boots. In the case of Tesco's, they have had to issue 620,000 new club cards to account holders after discovering a potential data breach. Tesco said in a statement that they had blocked 620,000 club card accounts and reissued the loyalty cards to those account holders after the supermarket uncovered a potential data breach. Tesco believes that a database of stolen username and password combinations gathered from other platforms had been tested against Tesco's own website. Although Tesco said this activity may have been successful in some cases, the supermarket insisted that no financial data had been compromised and that its systems had not been hacked. It has now opted to issue new club card numbers to customers who may have been affected by this fraudulent activity as an extra precaution after immediately blocking the account. We are aware of some fraudulent activity around the redemption of a small proportion of our customers' club card vouchers, a Tesco spokesperson said. They went on to say, We have strict security measures in place and our priority is protecting our customers. Our internal systems picked this up quickly and we immediately took steps to protect our customers and restrict access to their accounts. At no point was any customer's financial data accessed. We believe that someone has stolen password and username combinations from other websites and used them to try to access Tesco sites. Where customers use the same username and password, of course, this would have meant that the person making that hacking attempt would have been able to gain access. The Tesco spokesman went on to say that we have asked customers affected to reset their passwords and are contacting customers whose club card vouchers may have been affected to let them know that we will replace these vouchers and issue new club cards as a precaution. We are very sorry for any inconveniences may cause. We've seen a sample of the email which Tesco sent out, which read, Dear whoever, we recently became aware of some fraudulent activity on your club card account, which includes an attempt to access your club card vouchers. We picked this up quickly, and to be on the safe side, we've blocked your account immediately. This means that when you next try to sign in, you'll be asked to reset your password. As an extra precaution, we will reissue you with a new club card number. In the emails, Tesco reassured Subcharge customers that points and vouchers will be transferred to your new subcharge number and that no customer would lose out on any value. Tesco's loyalty scheme is understood to have some 19 million members and offers Tesco customers one point for every pound spent in the store. Every 100 points is then worth a pound for the customer to redeem in the store or with selected partners where often it can be worth more than a pound. As we said in our introduction to this item, this attack also appears to have affected Boots, who halted advantage card payments after a cyber attack. Boots suspended payments using loyalty points in shops and online after attempts had been made to break into customers' accounts using stolen usernames and passwords. Customers will not be able to use their Boots advantage card points to pay for products while the issue is dealt with. Boots were keen to stress that none of their own systems have been compromised, but attackers had tried to access accounts using passwords and usernames stolen from other sites. This is very similar to what has happened to Testos, so it would seem likely it may seem to be the, sa- the same criminal group behind both of these attempted attacks. A spokesperson for Boots said that the issue affected less than 1% of the company's 14.4 million active advantage card holders, so fewer than 150,000 people but it could not give them exact numbers as it was still dealing with the problem. Boots was very keen to stress that no credit card information had been accessed. They went on to say that customers with the affected advantage cards could continue to earn points while making purchases, and Boots hoped to be able to enable those customers to redeem their points very soon.
A spokesperson said, we are writing to customers if we believe that their account has been affected and if their boots advantage card points have been used fraudulently, we will of course replace them. We would like to reassure our customers that these details were not obtained from boots, it added. The boots advantage card run like the Testo's card, but the boots card lets shoppers collect four points for every one pound spent and each point is worth a penny. For example, a card with 200 points could be used to pay for an item worth £2, but the points can also be used when purchasing items online. So it does seem likely that these two incidents were connected, since they both occurred within a matter of days of each other, and we know that the ICO is also investigating here to see if it can throw any light on what may have happened. If we get any update from Boots, Tesco's or the ICO, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Cafe Pacific got away lightly this week when compared with fellow airline British Airways. The Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, has fined Cafe Pacific Airways half a million pounds for failing to protect customers' personal data. The ICO said the airline's computer systems had exposed details of 111,578 UK residents and a further 9.4 million people from other countries around the globe. The details exposed included names, passport details, dates of birth, phone numbers, addresses and travel history. The ICO concluded that appropriate security had not been in place at Cathay Pacific between October 2014 and May 2018 which course places the data breach in this case before the introduction of GDPR, hence why the fine is limited to £500,000, because that was the maximum available to the ICO under the previous legislation. The ICO said Cathay Pacific had become aware of a problem in March 2018 when it suffered a brute force password guessing attack. The Hong Kong-based firm reported this to the ICO. The ICO said it subsequently uncovered a catalogue of errors during a follow-up investigation, including backup files that were not password protected, internet-facing servers that were without the latest security patches, operating systems that were no longer supported by the developer, and inadequate antivirus protection. At least one attack involved a server with a known vulnerability, but a fix was never applied, despite having been public knowledge for more than 10 years. Steve Eckersley, the ICO's Director of Investigation, said there were a number of basic security inadequacies across Cathay Pacific systems which gave easy access to hackers. The airline failed four out of five of the basic cyber essentials guidance from the National Cyber Security Centre, he added. In a statement about the fine, Cathay Pacific said it would once again like to express its regret and to sincerely apologise for the incident. It said substantial amounts of money have been spent on security in the past three years. However, we are aware that in today's world, as the sophistication of cyber attackers continues to increase, we need to and will continue to invest in and evolve our IT security systems, they said. Cathay Pacific went on to say, we will continue to cooperate with relevant authorities to demonstrate our compliance and our ongoing commitment to protecting personal data. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Portsmouth City Council found itself in the GDPR-related news again this week. You might remember that last week we mentioned about them being required to make some changes to their website. Well, this week they potentially could face a fine of millions of pounds after a laptop and paperwork was stolen from one of their employees' cars. 
The laptop and files containing the personal details of four adults and two children were taken in November. The information included details about their schools, family and health. If found to be a data breach, the City Council could face a fine and of course the fine could be significant given that children's data is also involved. We understand that the incident is currently under investigation by the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, which has the power to investigate and find organisations for data breaches. A spokesman for Portsmouth City Council said we have robust security measures, including encrypting personal data and equipment. The authority said that since the theft, it had implemented a number of measures to improve data security. So, again, one of these cases where we wait for an update either from the ICO or from Portsmouth City Council, and if we receive an update from either, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The email addresses and travel details of about 10,000 people who use free Wi-Fi at UK railway stations has been exposed online. Network Rail and the service provider C3UK confirmed the incident three days after being contacted by the BBC about the matter. The database, which was found online by security researchers, contained 146 million records, including personal contact details and dates of birth. It is understood that the file was not password protected. Stations affected are known to include Harlow Mill, Chelmsford, Colchester, Wickford, Walton Cross, Norwich and London Bridge. C3UK said it had secured the exposed database, a backup copy that included about 10,000 email addresses, as soon as it had been drawn to their attention. To the best of our knowledge, this database was only accessed by ourselves and the security firm and no information was made publicly available, it said. Given the database did not contain any passwords or other critical data, such as financial information, this was identified as a a low-risk potential vulnerability. However, the file, which was found on unsecured Amazon Web Services storage, and uh, read to listeners will know, this is by far far from the first um, data breach to involve Amazon Web Services and data stored on their servers, and that's not to imply at all that there is anything wrong with Amazon Web Services, there most certainly isn't, but it does indicate and really emphasise the need to make sure that if you are making use of AWS for storing your data, that you are making sure that that data is secured correctly. And if you need any help with that, then one of our team would be delighted to help you. So please do just drop us an email to podcasts at insurety.co.uk. That's E-N-S-U-R-E-T-Y.co.uk. And one of our team of specialists would be delighted to help you ensure your data on AWS is secure. Anyway, back to this data in question. It appears that the data can be searched by username, meaning that individuals' regular traffic patterns could be gleaned by tracking when they're logged on to each station's Wi-Fi service. The database contained information between the 28th of November 2019 and the 12th of February 2020, and it had also revealed software updates and the type of software being used by the user's devices connected to the Wi-Fi. The person who discovered the data said that they had contacted C3UK on the 14th of February and sent two further follow-up emails over the following six days but not received any reply. C3UK, for its part, said it had chosen not to inform the ICO, B 
because the data had not been stolen or accessed by any other party. The ICO confirmed to us that it had not been notified. A spokesman for the ICO said that when a data incident occurs, we would expect an organisation to consider whether it's appropriate to contact the people affected and to consider whether there are steps that can be taken to protect them from any potential adverse effects. Network Rail has now told us that its own data protection team will contact the ICO to explain the position and advised that it had strongly su- suggested to C3UK that it considered reporting the vulnerability. On its website, C3UK says it offers its clients captive audience monetization via sponsorship, in-page display and local microsite delivery and promises real-time reporting on passenger location, behaviour and content preferences. Greater Anglia, the train operating company which runs some of the stations affected, said it no longer used C3UK to provide its station Wi-Fi. Network Rail, which manages London Bridge Station, said we have been assured by our supplier, C3UK, that this was a low-risk issue and the integrity of people's information remains fully secure. Passengers have to supply their gender and reason for travel in order to use the free Wi-Fi service at some of these stations. When a previous user in 2018 who logged in at Euston Station had questioned why gender and reason for travel were required, the station replied that the information was taken to provide a tailored retail offer and to improve experience, and pointed out there was a preferred not to say option. So perhaps just a timely reminder to all of us who travel on public transport that often their Wi-Fi is not secure, and so all of us should be cautious about what information we do, A, disclose to the operator of the service that we can use their Wi-Fi, and B, what information we disclose whilst we're using their Wi-Fi. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Some customers of the credit history building tool Lockbox may have had their personal financial data compromised after the firm was hit by a sophisticated and complex cyber attack this week. For those who don't know, Lockbox is a tool which helps those with, um, shall we say, patch your difficult credit histories build a credit score by buying a digital voucher, essentially a loan, and then repaying it by saving a set amount into the Lockbox account every month. But Lockbox has now announced that it's been hit by a cyber attack, in which hackers access both customers' personal data, such as addresses and phone numbers, and in some cases their payment information. Lockbox insists that all funds that customers have paid in are secure and have not been affected by the hack. Lockbox said that their customers can carry on logging into their Lockbox accounts in the usual way. Lockbox says it discovered the attack on the 20th of February 2020 and it has since contacted all the affected customers to tell them what's happened and to offer them advice on how they can protect themselves. A Lockbox spokesman would not yet confirm how many of their customers had been affected by the data breach. Lockbox says the personal information accessed by the hackers includes some customers' names, dates of birth, postal addresses and phone numbers. In some cases, hackers have also accessed some of the following types of financial information. The first six and last four digits of a customer's 16-digit card number, the customer's card expiry date, the sort code used by customers to unlock their lockbox, and two digits of the bank account number used to make payments to lockbox. Lockbox says it's reported the incident to the police and the ICO and has taken further steps to improve the defences of its computer system. Lockbox acknowledges that there is a chance that the information could be used by criminals alongside other data to carry out phishing attacks or attempts at identity fraud. So it's recommended that Lockbox customers do the following. 
Firstly, to check their bank or credit card transactions regularly. If you spot any unfamiliar or unusual activity, make sure you contact the bank immediately and let it know. If you're really worried, demand a new debit or credit card from your debit or credit card issuer. Check whether your bank or credit card firm will be routinely replacing cards affected by this breach. If not, ask them for a replacement card anyway. Beware of phishing scams. Criminals may use the data breach as an opportunity to trick people into revealing information. Remember that no bank or any other genuine organisation will ever contact you out of the blue to ask you for details such as your PIN number or your banking passwords. And beware of clicking on any links in text, messages or emails that appear to come from Lockbox. Unless you're certain, don't click on it. Lockbox, for its part, has reiterated that it will never call, text or email customers asking for their full bank account number or card details. So we expect there to be some developments on this case in the next few weeks. So whenever we hear either from Lockbox or the ICO, we will of course bring you the latest updates in the next available edition of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A school in Poland has been fined $5,200, €4,600, for breaching Europe's General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, after it was found to be processing students' fingerprint data to verify whether they'd paid for their school lunch or not. The news comes around as biometric data harnessing programmes around the world spark significant privacy concerns. The unidentified school in Gdansk, a city in northern Poland, processed the fingerprints of hundreds of children without a legal basis, according to a statement by Jan Nowak, President of Poland's Personal Data Protection Office, UODO, their equivalent to the UK ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office. Nowak added there had been adequate alternative options for managing school meals. According to UODO, the primary store had been using a biometric reader at the cafeteria entrance since 2015, to verify whether pupils had paid for their meals. In the current academic year, the system was used by some 680 children, with four children using an alternative identification system. Students not using biometric ID were forced to wait till the end of the line. In the opinion of the President of the UODO, such rules introduce unequal treatment of students and their unjustified differentiation, as they clearly favour students with biometric information, the statement reads. Moreover, in the authorities' view, the use of biometric data considering the purpose for which they are being processed was significantly disproportionate. While parental consent had been obtained for the biometric ID programme, the UODO found that the system was not essential for achieving the goal of identifying a child's entitlement to receive a school lunch. The final decision cited numerous facets of GDPR, including Article 38, which refers to specific provisions made for data protection of children. It should be emphasised that children require special protection of personal data as they may be less aware of the risks, consequences, safeguards and rights they have in connection with processing of the personal data, the report from UODO said. Biometric data is defined under GDPR as personal data resulting from specific technical processing relating to the physical, physiological or behavioural characteristics of a natural person which allow or confirm the unique identification of that natural person. This may include fingerprints, iris scans, hand geometry, voice recognition and facial scans. Indeed, the latest GDPR privacy fall outcome shortly after the Swedish school was fined €20,000 under GDPR for conducting a facial recognition pilot programme that tracks students' attendance. Last year, 
the UK ICO issued an enforcement notice against Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC, after a complaint was made over a system it, it had implemented that used tools voices to verify their identity. In the case of HMRC, no fine was imposed, but it was instructed to delete all the biometric data it had collected through the voice authentication system without explicit consent. While the fine imposed on the Polish primary store at the centre of this article is relatively modest, the store has been ordered to erase all the personal data it gathered through its programme and cease collecting all such data in the future. And so, an interesting update on how GDPR is being interpreted, again, not just for what we might often think of as typical computer data, but biometric data, and of course, you know, GDPR applies to paper documents too, so it really is a very wide-reaching piece of regulation. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Regular listeners may remember that back in episode 65 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we brought you news of a data breach at the University of Hertfordshire. Well, the ICO has now concluded its investigation into that data breach and has decided that no further action is necessary. To give you some background in this, uh, what happened was that the University of Hertfordshire sent out an email promoting a lecture and the attachment with the email included all the recipients' names and email addresses. The University of Hertfordshire acted quickly at the time and notified the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO, and the ICO offered advice after looking at the case. The University, for its part, says it's now reviewed its processes and given further guidance to all of its staff. Its Creative Arts Department sent the email back in November last year to a group of students in one school of study and recalled the message soon after. A spokesman for the university said, We immediately reported the breach to the ICO, who decided that it was not necessary to investigate further as the university has in place appropriate processes for dealing with these circumstances. They went on to say, We take data protection extremely seriously and provide mandatory training on data protection issues, which all staff complete as part of their induction to the university and then refresh periodically. The University of Hertfordshire, based in Hatfield, did not pay any compensation to students for the breach of their data. For their part, an ICO spokesperson said, people have the right to expect that organisations will handle their personal information securely and responsibly. The University of Hertfordshire made us aware of the incident. After looking at the details, we provided the organisation with advice, and we conclude that no further action is necessary. This is far from the only case involving universities. Earlier this year, we know that you know about the University of East Anglia in Norwich, who paid its students more than £140,000 after personal details were emailed to hundreds of classmates. A spreadsheet was containing student house problems, bereavements and personal issues was sent to 298 people in June 2017. The ICOs also concluded looking at that case for the University of East Anglia, and again has decided that in this instance no further action is needed. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk you can find out more about us and Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk and I look forward to speaking to you again 
same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. Check us out on Facebook. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurability production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash insurity.